Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Fishy Tales with myself Mick Clark and my uh, Pally uh, Rudolph's Keepers. Uh, we had a really interesting show last week with, about um, the competition angling, uh, competitive angling both shore and deep sea. And we're going to continue again this week, Rudolph, because there's so much we can talk about on this subject, isn't there? Yes, hi Mick, hi listeners. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting topic. Um, and yeah, last week we had a long chat about shore angling. And today, I think we should talk a little bit about offshore fishing, uh, deep sea fishing, Mick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. Mick, um, obviously, you've got some stories. Um, you being a, a pommy from pommy land <laughs> coming to South Africa <laughs> and experiencing all this, this new type of fishing. So I'm sure there's quite a few stories regarding your uh, competitive deep sea, deep sea fishing career that you can share with us. Oh, yeah, Rudolph, I could go on and on about them, but um, I'm sure across the episodes in the future, I'll uh, drop one or two in there. But um, quite interestingly, we're talking about uh, competitive angling. And not everybody, of course, thinks that angling's competitive. And I suppose to some people, if you said, what is your image of an angler? Uh, a lot of people would say a little garden gnome sat on a rock <laughs> with a fishing rod in his hand. And that is the, the impression that it's a laid-back sport by laid-back people. And, you know, you walk 20 meters to a spot and sit there all day uh, waiting for it's, a fish to bite. That's true, yes. Um, and to be fair, I have done that quite a few times. But um, I, I always remember my old boss, um, he, he used to call it casting off. He used to say to me, are you going casting off today then? <laughs> and um, when, he, when we were interviewing for sales reps, we had a, um, a criteria for salespeople. And what we wanted, we wanted those people to be dynamic. And on the CV, he was looking for um, writing in the CV where they would be competitive. So football, rugby, cricket, some sort of action sport, you know. <laughs> and whenever he came across fishing, he used to throw the CV to one side. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of that was to annoy me. But I said to him, really, why do you do that? And it was this garden gnome thing, you know. And I said to him, do you flip and realize that a competitive angler is very, very competitive, like a salesman, you know. It, it's, it's an aggressive form of angling. You were there to win. And he just couldn't get his head around that. So over the years, I, I tried to prove it to him. And, uh, well, I'm still trying to prove it to this day, to be quite honest. So, yeah, that's... that's um, people's impressions sometimes yeah Mick, that's an interesting story and yes i think we often get that um, people don't realize how much effort we go through to catch a fish and then to just put it back in the ocean again <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, i often get that question on the beaches like why on earth are you putting it back you spent hours targeting <laughs> this fish you caught this beautiful edible fish and now you're putting it back and so it's it's once it come again comes back to our passion for the sport and their passion for conservation so not everybody understands it, but at least we love the sport. Mick, um, so tell me, what was your first competition you fished, and how did you find your first competition? Yeah, that's a good question, Rudolph. Um, and I'll answer that twofold, because I'm going to answer that in the other planet where I came from, and I'll answer <laughs> on the South African side as well, because they will tie together. So the first competition I fished on the other planet um, basically involved freshwater fish. So we have a keep net. We fish for four hours, often walk, like you shore angler guys, you said, across farmers' fields, through muddy, through pigs and cows <laughs> and sheep and, and bulls often. <laughs> I've been chased by a few bulls. Um, 
and in the winter, in the snow, goodness me. So my first competition, I weighed something like two pounds, one kilo of fish for four <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, so people would ask you then, what did you do at the weekend? So well, I caught these fish, whatever there would be, 20 of them for one kilo. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with them? Well, I kept them in the net and threw them back. And the answer, the next question was always the same. Why? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why do you do it? <laughs> and of course, only an angler can explain that. Yeah, but fast forward a few years, and um, my first competition in South Africa was in my little hometown of Umkumas. I actually fished on a kayak, and I asked the local Umkumas Ski Boat Club, can I fish in your competition? Yeah, no problem. What's your ski boat name? Um, it's not a ski boat, it's a kayak. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose we'll let you fish then. Now, I did find out a few weeks later they only let me fish to take the money off me. <laughs> <laughs> and laugh at you. I and laugh at me, yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget Rudolph pulling into the car park. I had a Fiat Uno <laughs> with a kayak on the roof and I worked my way between all the ski boats and I walked into the club and I thought, should I really be doing this? <laughs> Should I really do this? And then the guys were saying to me, um, what's that thing on your roof? What are you going to do with it? You're going in the ocean with that thing? You must be kidding. And they were all trying to talk me out of it. <clears throat> but to be quite honest, fast forward next day, I launched. The weather was atrocious. Oh, goodness. I threw my little sardine over the side. And in two minutes, I caught a tuna, <laughs> 18 kilos. Wow. Yes, I loaded that thing, headed back to the shore, shot down the ski boat club. So within two hours, I plonked this yellowfin tuna there. <laughs> and I got a phone call in the afternoon say, Mick, come and collect your prize. You've won the competition. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant. So that was my first experience. And... Um, like I said, I don't fish many, many comps, but the ones I do, I certainly enjoy them. Yes. So the type of comps I tend to fish are the ones where they're very social, very fam family-orientated, or very growing the angler's experience and helping an angler. So, for instance, um, Stealth Kayaks used to have a fantastic competition in Pandan in Mozambique where um, Brett from Stealth came up with this great initiative that if you were a seeded angler, and fast forward a few years, I was then, um, you had to be with an unseeded angler. So uh, you were yes. paired. And you couldn't possibly win unless you both caught fish. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's which so is clever. a great concept. So, yeah, yes. you, you had to help that person who was with you to catch fish. And it bonded you with an, a person you never met, even in the competition environment. Socially, you probably wouldn't really talk to them. Yes. But now you have to. You have to show him traces. You have to set his tackle up for him. You have to show him where to fish. Yes. You have to give him GPS marks. So that changed my whole concept of, uh, of competition angling. So I'd rather help somebody than win the competition. Oh, that's so interesting. With, with very few exceptions. Yes. Um, the other one I really like is uh, um, the Go Fish competition, which is like Racetech do the title sponsor for the jet skis. And that's every year in February in Mozambique. And that's very, very family-oriented. So take your wife, take the kids. There's plenty of them, plenty of things for them to do while um, the guys are out fishing. Uh, they have tug-of-war and um, 
all sorts of competitions for get the kids involved get the wives involved there's prizes for everybody and that atmosphere there is just world class and, and for me that's the future of angling that's the way it's going like we mentioned the big bonanzas i don't think that's the way to go um so yeah that that's the deep sea side at the moment mick it's, it's so interesting and um Yes, and uh, maybe there's something for us to learn from the shore angling side when it comes to that pairing and seeded or a experienced angler with a non-experienced angler. Um, we do it within our club structure, but at a higher level, that, that's something we could look at and another way of, of teaching people and, uh, once again, teaching them the sport and then also linked to conservation. Mick, um, what is your biggest fishing comp? Um, have you ever caught a big fishing comp? <laughs> Except the 18 kilo tuna, the first one you won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, took a lo- it took a lot of years to catch another big one like that. But yeah, without a doubt, um, I think I might have mentioned it on the first show actually. But without a doubt, my, my best achievement was that again, that Pendain comp in Mozambique, and it was the first one I actually fished. Um, I actually caught a marlin. Wow. Which was just insane because previously I'd been around the world trying to catch one and never caught one. And here I am on my little kayak and I throw a dead mackerel out with eyes sunken into the back of its head. (laughs) (laughs) Think I've hooked a a turtle or something and this marlin jumps out the water and that was it. I was in heaven and it was just, I'll never ever forget that experience. It was was just incredible. How big was that marlin, me? Roughly? Well, we didn't kill it, of course. It was a catch and release, but. 85 kilos of black marlin. Um, wow. Yes, it was unbelievable. I, 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 that thing, perfect conditions. We had a, a very late launch. Um, it was 12 o'clock. The sea glassed off like it does twice a year. You get those days. <laughs> and um, I hooked it straight away, and I had four hours to land it. Bottom line, I wasn't in no hurry. I had a jet ski follow me. So, yeah, I wanted to land that thing, and I, I did. I landed it. I pulled it to the kayak. We got videos and photos. It was just insane. And and that fish must have been as big as a ki- kayak those years. Oh, it's... Uh, uh, it was as long as it? That thing had a longer nose than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... Yeah, yeah, it was massive. It was just insane. I mean, I've caught a couple since then, but then... Whoa, dear me, it was... If I was by myself, Rudolph, and I hooked that thing... I would have cut that line so quickly. I didn't want that thing anywhere near me. I can imagine. How far did it drag you, Mick? Yeah, Rudolph, I remember having the fish finder on and, and I hooked it. It was 30 meters deep. And very quickly it went 35, 40, 45, <laughs> 50. <laughs> so the time was, was scaring me, but the depth was scaring me because, as I you know, in Mozambique, you get to the continental shelf very quickly. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I remember seeing 180 meters quite quickly. And wow! turning around and looking back at the shore and thinking, I am so glad this jet ski's with <laughs> me. And um, then it went back to shore, then it went back out again. But um, the bottom line is I hooked it within 20 minutes. I fought it for about three hours. And then I paddled back. And when I paddled back, it was the end of the competition. Wow. So you might as well say one one fish wonder. Yeah, one <laughs> fish. Yeah, one fish wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all had those that's experiences, me. but that's something you can remember for the rest of your life, and it's an amazing experience. Yeah. And just to land a marlin on a on a ski, if mm. for someone who doesn't know what a ski is or what it looks like, it's a very small little boat that you row at, <laughs> and um, you can fall over if you don't keep your balance. Um, then the newer ones are much more balanced than the first ones we started off with those years. But it's not easy. Um, it's a very, very good achievement, that. Yeah, and it was so funny in that competition because um, we had 
whoever was leading the competition got a red shirt, a red rash vest. So you knew if there was 100 anglers and there was one in red, he was the leader of the competition, even if you didn't know the person. Yes. Rudolph, it was the funniest experience because I didn't have a clue what I was doing and I must have had 50 guys following <laughs> me everywhere I went. I, I can give you a tip. Just keep on paddling until you get to that 180 meter yeah, mark. Yeah, go back there. Again, yeah. <laughs> losing them. Good plan. Um, Mick, so I, I guess you've got a lot of funny experiences in these competitions. Um, uh, there's a lot of characters involved in these competitions. Can you um, remember a few of these funny moments? Oh, yeah, for sure, Rudolph. Um, well, I, I, I can I can actually think of one straight away. What's a? It's both a scary experience and a funny experience, actually, and a strange experience. But <laughs> let me share it with you, and it'll all come to light. So I was fishing in Mozambique, and strangely enough, it was one of those competitions again, those kayak competitions up at um, Gunyata and Pandan. And I remember I was five k's offshore, fishing a reef. Whoa, that's far on a little ski. It was a long way, yeah. Um, I, I was a lot more experienced when it came to this one, but if I can set the scene, there's a big west dew, okay? <laughs> I'm five k's out. I'm six, really, but I can't say more. No, I'm five k's out. <laughs> and I've got my legs over the side. Okay. And they're all big tiger sharks, eh? Just yeah. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely up there. So my legs are dangling over the side. My hatch is open, okay? Now, an hour earlier, I'd hooked a, a, a cooter, which I later found was 18 kilos. Mm. That thing was in the hatch. So I've got my legs open, the hatch is open, and the west has just started coming. So the waves are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm jigging. <clears throat> so what I did is I threw a live bait out the back, and I let that drift. And that was the point I'd opened the hatch. This is why the hatch is open. I was looking at some different jigs, so I thought, let me just leave that open. I'll have one drop down, try this jig, just see how heavy it is, and, you know, I'll have one drop from the bottom. So I dropped this thing down, it's like 50 metres deep, and I start jigging. I wasn't expecting a bite, Rudolph, <laughs> at all, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. And I was watching the fish finder while I was jigging, with the hatch open and my legs over the side. And a flipping big wave broke on me. Oh, goodness. Oh, dear. I got knocked off the kayak. I've got two rods out. I've got another rod in the rod holder. I've got a rod in my hand. <laughs> that was the last I seen of that rod. <laughs> I, I can imagine. So the rod went to the bottom of the ocean. Now the rod was a, um, a Shimano Travala six foot six, and the reel was a um, Shimano Stratic eight thousand. Ah, a cheap okay. little outfit. So it was a, a bit of cash involved there. Okay. <laughs> So, the scary part of the story was that. But the scary part, of course, is when I came up, the kayak was five, six meters from me. So, first thought is, where's my rod? <laughs> Uh-oh, we're not bothered about the rod anymore. Yeah. The second thought, which is the most important, is get back the kayak. Now, as I swim to the kayak, the kayak... Blows away the from wave it. it in the wind. Yes, the kayak moves and go again. And straight away in your head, you're thinking that the PFD, the personal flotation device is stopping me getting to that thing. Shall I take it off and swim? <laughs> Put your five gears off, sure. Yes. Ooh, that could be scary. So, hey, I swim like I've never swum before. And I grabbed that kayak. And as I grabbed the kayak, I heard this strange noise. It was almost like a wheel spinning on a car in a car park and bubbles coming up. And I'm hanging on for dear life onto this, car, onto this kayak. 
Then I realized the flipping reel spinning, there's still a fish on this. <laughs> so now I'm like, hey, I need to get on quickly. Here to save my life. And B, there's a fish on the end of it. So I flipped the kayak over. And as I flipped it over, that big cuda was still floating about inside the hatch. Oh, you're lucky it's still there. So I flipped it over. I organized the spare rod and the rod with the reel spinning. I put that to one side. And um, I start bailing the water out of the kayak. <laughs> so eventually I get the water out and I reel in. And there's a huge prodigal on wow. the end <laughs> of the live bait. <laughs> so I put this, uh, I get this prodigal and I, I weigh him and I take a photograph because that was the deal. You can kill the cooter, but you let the prodigals go. Yes. So I did that and um, I paddled off back to shore. Now, as I'm paddling back to shore, I'm thinking, great, I've saved my life. Great, I've got two nice fish. Damn, I've lost a rod and reel. <laughs> and then this other thought came into my head. Oh, no. There's a prize in the competition. Red red shirt for winner. Pink shirt for dick of the day. Oh, goodness. Now, I don't want that thing, Rudolph, so there's <laughs> no way I'm going to tell anybody about what happened to me. Okay, so fast forward when we, when we get back to where all the guys are. I don't tell them, Rudolph. I just tell them about this nice fish. And the prodigal, I've got a photograph and yeah. So we had the prize given on the night, and um, there was a prize for the biggest fish. And the prize was a Stradic 8,000. <laughs> and guess who won the prize for the biggest fish? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, what? <laughs> but am I going to tell anybody? No, because that pink shirt is still available yeah and you don't want to wear that pink shirt and i don't want to wear that thing so i'm very happy now i've got my reel back bottom line so the next day the competition was a bit of a disaster and it was weather blew out um and off we go and we get back to the briefing on the night and i still haven't told us all this story <laughs> a for embarrassment and b i don't want that pink shirt so because the competition wasn't um so good there wasn't so many fish caught there was lots of lucky draw prizes so one by one by one they draw, draw all these prizes out and it gets to the last three prizes and one of the prizes was a Travala six foot six <laughs> rod <laughs> I'm dying to tell people now I've lost this rod I've got the reel is there any chance is there a miracle I can win that rod and it gets the third prize goes the second prize goes. So I'm still in the draw, and the rod's still there. Unbelievable. And I said to my mate next to me, I'm going to tell you a story quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs up and he tells Brett, who was, the, um, who was the MC, and they tell the story now. Uh, I have to get up on stage, sorry, and I have to tell the story. And receive your pink shirt. <laughs> no, the competition's finished. The pink shirt's gone. I'll be first in the next year. But the rod's still there, and there's about 10 people, and one of them left to win that rod. So, so Brett said to me, there's no way he's going to pick that ticket out. Now he's heard this story. Can a lady from the audience volunteer and come up and pick the ticket? So this girl puts her hand up. And, and, and I honestly can't remember the number now, but whatever the number was, everybody was shouting the number out. The lady put her hand in that hat, Rudolph, <laughs> and pulled my number out. <laughs> I went, 
no way. I wow. want my rod back and I want my reel back. Exactly the same ones. Unbelievable. That is an amazing story, Mick. And yeah. Yes, uh, I, I think so many of these type of things happen in competition and your story is a typical example of, of a, actually a bad story with a funny story with a good ending. <laughs> yeah, I did say at the beginning, didn't I? Funny, strange, but uh, a lot of emotions in that story, yeah. Oh, that's so nice, that's so nice. Um, Mick, when it comes to your competitions, um, your deep sea competitions, how do you, how does your point structure work in these competitions? Yeah, that's a good question, Rudolph. Um, firstly, I think it was the kayaks what started the um, catch and release. And to be fair, it's very difficult on a kayak to get a fish on board, um, especially your teeth, teethy fish, your wow, your cooter, your snook. So we sort of agreed very early on that you can keep those fish. It's more dangerous to try and um, grab measure them, them or yeah. grab them, yeah. Uh, um, so so the silver fish with the teeth, you can keep them if you catch them. The rest of them, we must weigh them. And I suppose the first time we started doing that, a couple of centimetres is not going to make a difference on a fish. You might get a bad measurement, etc. So so what, we, what was decided was they would be in colours, so there was a yellow section, a blue section, a red section, and depending on the fish, it would relate to how many points you get. You know, so so a, a longer fish it would have to go higher up in the colours, if that makes sense. Okay? So you measure the fish, basically. Yeah, you put the fish against against the uh, measuring stick. It's a piece of tape, yes. and um, you take a photograph of it. So a cooter in the red would be worth 10 points a cooter in the green would be 15 points okay, if you want to release it you can um and then dorado tuna etc you do you have to release them as well so it quickly caught on and i think the jet ski fraternities probably took it up more than um, most and um to be fair that's driven by go fish magazine they've got a really um, heavy policy that um, the fish you catch um to go in the magazine have to be photographed and released so we don't want dead fish hanging up i think those days Obviously. are pretty much gone now you know so when you think about it now it's quite simple you catch a fish you put it next to a, a, a sticker which is a tape measure you take a picture and you let it go um so we can go back next year and catch it again yes so and i like to not lose your rod and hopefully while you try doing it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think it's a great concept uh, i think it works uh, you do sometimes have teething problems, but generally it works. Um, we did last year get involved with an app where we tried to, uh, I say we, um, I say we because the competition I was involved in in Mozambique, the app was working out your points for you. It had a picture of the fish to identify the species because, of course, when you get to the kingfish species, there's so many different types that yes, it's it quite hard to recognize. It can get confusing, yes. Yeah, so the app worked quite well. Problem is to take a, a fancy smartphone out to sea in that wet environment, um, kayaks, jet skis, uh, even ski boats is, is a bit of an issue. So I think most people are going to settle on the take a photograph against a tape measure. Um, it seems to work really well. Hmm. That, that's, a, that's a very, very nice way of you guys doing it. And, um, and it, it's moved forward so much over the last few years, Mick. Um, I'm thinking back even five years ago. Um, fish were killed um, and no one knew better though that's the way we grew up and you catch a fish you throw it in the hatch you take it home you eat it so fishing's evolved so much over the last 
five to ten years it's it's absolutely amazing and in another show i will explain to you but uh, when it comes to shore fishing what we've done to conserve fish um, from edible fish to game fish and the things we've put in place to, to conserve fish and how it's helped us and the successes we see today um, doing those type of things but mick um just a little quick one before we end the show have you got a competition hero out there someone that you look up to someone who really helped you a lot when you started this competition fishing in, in your fraternity yeah rudolph i would have an endless list of um competition heroes um but like you said before uh, kzn is a difficult place to fish i think that's what's um got the guys to be better at it um, I look at some of the guys even who come from the bass fraternity who've put that, what they've learned in freshwater bass fishing and transferred that to deep sea fishing and, and they became good at it. But um, you look around this area, some of the guys I was involved with, um, certainly Brad Arthur was pioneer drop shot fishing. For sure. For yeah, sure. he was a, 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 and still is when he gets to fish now a master. Uh, Marcus Potkita, he just took fishing to another level you know uh there's so many there's so many guys um and then even in in the jet ski fishing fraternity i think of uh, wayne bentley and larry brown who they tend to fish for trophy fish you know they were absolutely masters of doing that uh, we, we, we i'm being blessed to work with some really good anglers you know um but when we say competition heroes I have one. I'm going to call him my hero because it, it was so funny. We used to um, have kayak competitions, and they were open competition. Um, you know, biggest fish wins X amount of money. And um, I got a phone call off a Muslim guy, and he said, oh, he he's, wants to get into kayak fishing. He keeps falling off all the time. Can I help him? And et cetera, et cetera. I said, yeah, no problem. Of course I will. Um, so we got him. Uh, f- some friends of mine helped him get on his kayak and paddle okay. Oh, he wants to fish this competition. What shall he do? I said, no, I'll just put some dead mackerel and put them out. No, he doesn't like touching fish. Can he not just use a spoon and go spinning or something, you know? I said, yeah, let's just do that then. Just go around the back line and just uh, um, start casting spoons. So this guy, I think it was the second or third time he'd actually been into the open sea. So not Ushakan, um uh, Vetchi's sheltered launch into the open sea. So he launched that salt rock, <clears throat> second cast, hooked a cooter, 20 kilos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Put the thing in his hatch, paddled back to shore, and won the competition. That's amazing. That's my hero. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Mick, thank you so much for the very interesting stories. I really enjoyed it. And um, I think it's the end of our show today. And maybe our next little chat, we should continue on this topic of competition fishing and things that happen and stuff we've learned and all the funny things. So thank you so much for that very nice little chat. And um, to our viewers, we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye, Mick. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Rudolph. And uh, bye, listeners. I look forward to the next show.